We're, we're coming into this season of Advent where we, we celebrate and we remember the coming of Jesus Christ, God becoming man, right? This, this promise of Emmanuel, God with us, being fulfilled in this person, Jesus. And, you know, what's, what's been interesting this year is just been to watch the Christmas craze. And I'm not talking at all about craze about Jesus. I'm just talking about craze about the, the trappings around Christmas, you know, tinsel and trees and uh, ornaments and candy. And, you know, it, it seemed like uh, Halloween ended. And at least for our consumer world, Thanksgiving never existed. And we had Christmas. And I, I understand there are factions that are pro-Christmas after October and anti, you know, Christmas at pro Christmas after Thanksgiving. I'm not, I'm not trying to draw a line in the sand. We're all in the same boat. It's, it's the day or a couple days after Thanksgiving, so we're all in the same boat at this point. But it's been interesting to me to watch the, the, the anxiety level almost of our culture already just begin to rise. And it, it felt like it was being foisted upon us right after October. And, and, and so I, I want to take a moment today and reorient our lives around Christmas as the remembering of Jesus Christ coming into our world. The reality is, as you face, uh, as you face preparation for Christmas, as you face uh, relatives coming into town, as you face your regular, normal challenges of work life and home life and relationships and marriage and parenting, or, or single life, there are pressures that are going to be pressuring you, and I want to say to you that you need Jesus this Christmas season. And I think that many of us, most of us who are here on a consistent basis would say, yes, Pastor Eddie, of course I need Jesus. But I think that when we go to Target on, on you know, Thursday, and we're looking for our stuff, and, and uh, someone jostles us to get to the ornaments... In that moment, we need Jesus, right? And when you begin to talk to your employer and say, I need these days off and, you know, I've got these things going on, and they say, well, you're actually going to have to be in the office. And, and uh, in fact, we had to cut back, and I don't know if we're going to be doing bonuses this year or, or raises. Maybe we'll do cost of living. We're still having to figure that out. You need Jesus, Right When December comes and you're having to close out the quarter and the year, and all of a sudden all of your clients want to do business with you and, and, and spend all the budget that they have, you need Jesus. So we're going to give you, I'm going to give you today seven reasons why you need Jesus this Christmas season. We're going to read out of John chapter 1 verses 1 through 5 and then skip ahead to verse 14. So if you will stand with me, if you're new, it is our tradition, part of our liturgy for us to read the word of God together. And so I want to invite you to do that with us. We're going to read out of John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and then verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord to us. Let's pray. 
Father God, I thank you that you have given us your son, that you have given us your self-disclosure, that you've shown us who you are, you have revealed yourself to us in your son. And, And in revealing yourself to us, you've given us everything that we need for life and godliness. And God, in, in, in our day-to-day life where we are faced with so many opportunities to forget you, God, I pray that you would tether, that you would tie, that you would bind our hearts so closely to Jesus that we would know both our need and your provision. Jesus, would you be with us right now? Holy Spirit, minister by your presence the reality of Jesus Christ. We pray this all in the name of our, your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. You can be seated. So I want to give you seven reasons why you need Jesus. And, and they may not make sense immediately, but, but I'm going to give them to you here if you're taking notes, and then you can fill in the blanks as we go. Seven reasons. Reason number one, because Jesus reveals God to us. You need Jesus because Jesus is the way that you're going to know God. Reason number two, because he has authority over all creation. You need Jesus because Jesus has authority over all creation. Reason number three, because life comes from Jesus. You need Jesus because he is the source of life. Number four, you need Jesus because he is the way. He's the only way. We'll talk more about that. Number five, yeah, okay. Uh, I have E, but it's number five. (laughs) Uh, You need Jesus because Jesus shows shows us what it means to be truly human. What it means to be authentically human. Number six, you need Jesus because he shows us what is really glorious, what is really worthwhile, what is really honorable. And finally, number seven, you need Jesus because we need grace and we need truth this Christmas season. So number one, we need Jesus because we need to know God. Now, that may not be on the forefront of your thinking as we as we enter into this Christmas season, and in fact, probably on the forefront is, is okay, I've got to get these people uh, presents. I've got to make a list. And do I buy my neighbors uh, a, a gift? Do I go to Nothing Bunt Cake and get the tower? I encourage that. It's great. Um, <laughs> but uh, do, do I do that or do I write a card? Have I gotten my, my Christmas card in the mail? For some of us, am I going to take a picture and very quickly try to take it to, to Walmart or, or Costco and get it printed and send it out? Do I include this person on my list? These are the things that are on the forefront of our, our minds. But the reality is as we go through life and as we go and do things, on the back end and behind all of this is this idea of what is most important in my life. And, and this season especially can be one of those moments where we don't think about what is most important. You know, it's, it's that situation where you go to the family gathering and 
you find yourself arguing with your mom or your dad or your, your cousin and getting really angry with them and frustrated. And, and if you just step back, you realize we're supposed to be gathering together to, to love one another. You know, you've missed the forest for the trees. And as we go through Christmas, we can miss the forest for the trees. We need Jesus to reveal God to us here and now. Now, the Bible talks a lot about how he has revealed himself to us. Psalm 19, one of my favorite psalms, talks about how God has revealed himself in both nature and in the world, uh, the word, rather. God's two books of, of revelation. In verse 1 of Psalm 19, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice, voice is not heard. And it goes on, it talks about how God reveals himself in creation. You know, I was, we're, we're staying with my in-laws right now, and they live towards uh, Front Royal, and, and there are these breathtaking vistas, which are by God's design intended to make us feel small. And realize that, man, there are things happening in creation that are far bigger than whether or not, uh, you know, I eat the fruitcake that my neighbor gave me. They, they, they create perspective, and, and part of that perspective is there is a God. There, there is an awesome power behind all of this, these mountains and these trees and the sky and, and all of them interworking. There is a God. And in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, it says something similar, that in fact God has shown himself. It says in verse 18, if I can find it, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, and this is sad, but that's not the point I'm trying to focus on, uh, all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. What are we talking about here? What truth are we talking about? For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. And we could put our names in there. God has shown it to us. For his inv inv uh, invisible attributes, namely his, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. God has revealed himself to us. Whether or not we acknowledge that, we're going to be held accountable for, but God has revealed himself. And yet, in these last days, as the writer of Hebrews says, God has revealed himself most clearly in Jesus Christ. It says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, long ago and at many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, talking about really the Old Testament. God spoke he, he revealed himself in the Old Testament, verse 2. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he has also created the world. Right? That sounds a lot like John. He is the radiance of the glory of God. In other words, if God is the son, then if God is the S-U-N son, then the S-O-N son are the, the rays of light that come from the sun. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the, majest, of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he inherited is much more excellent than theirs. God has spoken and revealed himself 
in Jesus Christ. And in, in John chapter 14, I know I'm bouncing around, but I'm getting to a point here. In John chapter 14, verse 9, Philip, one of the disciples, says, hey, can you just reveal the Father to us? Can you just show us God? You know, we've been following you, and, and we just, I don't think we're catching it. Can we, can we see God? And, and Jesus responds, he says, have I not been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show me the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? And he goes on and talks. But he says basically, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen my character, if you've seen my nature, if you've seen how I've cared for people, if you've seen how I've abhorred sin and I've been angry about self-righteousness, you have seen the Father. If you've seen my power, if you've seen my miracles, if you've seen the, the, the bondage-breaking power that I bring to, to deliver people out of their, their brokenness, their, their, their bound-upness, their slavery into freedom, then you have seen the Father. Jesus reveals to us God. You need Jesus because you need God. You need God. And if you think that you don't, you haven't felt the pressure. And, and, and maybe you feel like, you know, I don't need this whole religion thing, this whole God thing. You know, that's great. I'm coming here. I'm here Sunday because someone invited me. I don't need God. Okay. Do you need Netflix? Do you need wine? Do you need this person in your life? Do you need money? When you, when you are going to feel the pinch, maybe when you felt the pinch on Wednesday night as you were preparing, or Thursday morning as family was planning to come to your house and you were going to host, and you were feeling the stress, what did you run to for relief? I would say that that is your pursuit of God. And you may not say that you need God, but you are pursuing God. Like a dog after a bone. We need God. And may I say to you that these other things I mentioned, while some of them are fine and good, none of them are a worthy stand-in for Jesus. We need God because we need Jesus because he reveals God. Reason number two, we need need Jesus because he has authority over all creation. It says in John chapter one, not only the word is the word God, but he is with God. And in verse two, uh, verse three, rather, all things were made through him and without him was not anything that was made or it was not anything made that was made. I understand that's really bad English. Um, In the Greek, they're, they're cool with double negatives. Uh, but we're like, I uh, wasn't without, do the math, negative, negative, positive, okay. Yeah, he's saying all things were made through him. And in fact, there's not anything that's been made that what? Wasn't made, what, through him. That has a lot of implications. If everything was made through Jesus and nothing was made that was made without him, then Jesus exists before what? Creation. Right? We've just already established that Jesus was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And if you're curious what the Word is, that's why I included verse 14. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word is Jesus, who was with God and who is God. And now we see that this Word was the instrument through which God made everything. If we were to flash back to, to Genesis, we see that 
God says what? He speaks, let there be light. And it's through his what? Word, the instrument of his word that God creates. So somehow in that picture of God speaking, Jesus is present and active as the word of God, accomplishing the will of God, creating. And that's great. But again, I understand that you may be tempted on Monday to say, what does that have to do with anything? Well, God has created your reality. And and if you want to understand how to live in, in the boundaries of your reality the best possible way that you can, you should probably go to the author of your reality. You know, I was listening to this podcast where a guy was talking, he was a doctor talking about how you can't fake it, you need seven to nine hours of sleep. Those are the boundaries, right? You may be able to fake it for a few days, but, but by and large, statistically speaking, humans need seven to nine hours of sleep. That is the way that God has made us. And, and if you try to live outside of that boundary, bad things happen. You begin to act foolish. You make poor decisions. You fall asleep when you shouldn't. And, and that's, a, that's a silly, small example, but, but there are realities about how God has created you, both physically, emotionally, spiritually, that he invites you in to experience the best version of yourself. But if, if, but if we don't come to Jesus, if we, if we set him aside and say, you know what, God, I understand that you know, I'll come to church on Sundays and I'll read your Bible sometimes, but when it comes to how I live my life on Monday, what I do to my body on Tuesday, the way that I interact with people on Wednesday, I'm not going to worry about what you have to say because this is, this is my area. No, he has authority over creation because he is the author of creation. In the same way that, that you read a story, you read a book, a good book, and, and those, those characters only do what the author has intended for them to do. And, and those characters within that book, they have no... No idea or or understanding of of the author, apart from that author writing themselves into that story, God has written himself into this story and he's invited us to hear what the best way for us to live is. Do you want to live the most authentic life that you can live? Authenticity, that's that's like a buzzword in in our culture. You know, I want to be authentic. I want to be my, my true self. And, and the world would say to you, living your true self is really just kind of digging deep into your own heart and your own mind and, and discovering your truth. You know, who am I? Well, let me think. I'm just going to go to a dark room and kind of close my eyes and imagine, you know, who I am. What, what do I want? But, but God would say, the Bible would say that, that my heart is deceitful above all things, that Apart from Christ, I'm bent towards sin. And so for me to go and consult my heart and say, heart, what should I do? My heart's going to say, I worship idols, sin, do bad things. It may not mean that I'm going to go out on Monday and, and go rob a bank, but apart from Christ, apart from pursuing him, we're, we're not going to find out what it means to be our most authentic self, what we were made to be. We were all made for a very specific purpose. 
both generally as humans and specifically as each and every individual. I wish I knew all of your names. I could just take the time and say, you know, Jermaine, God has made you for a specific purpose. You know, Adrian, God has made you for a specific purpose. But he has. And this Christmas season, you're going to be tempted to just get into all of the the, the muck and the mire of, of getting it done. Let's get through the end of this year. I mean, that's, been, that's kind of felt like all of 2020, right? And 2021. Let's just get through it. And I get it. But, but I want to invite you to stop for a moment and to listen and receive from the Creator. Number two, we, we need Jesus because He has authority over all creation. Number three, we need Jesus because He's the source of life. It says in verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. In him was life. And I think this works at two levels. I think that John's probably talking about this second level that I'm going to talk about, but it's true that he, it works at this one first level. Level one, creation, and therefore life comes through Jesus. Right, we just got done with Thanksgiving, and, and one of the things that, if you listen to any, any older saint, a lot of times they'll say, I'm just thankful for the breath in my lungs, for the life that I have. Because they've lived long enough to know that maybe they don't deserve it. <laughs> God and Jesus specifically, he, he keeps us to together. Right? In Colossians, as a side note, if you haven't read Colossians, I've, I've quoted it a few times. It's a, it's a worthwhile book to, to read. It's very short. But in Colossians, it says this. Verse 16 of chapter 1, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or earth. Everything was created by Christ. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Life comes from Jesus because he holds our reality together. Do you realize that, you know, that fight that you had in the car on the way to church, you know, that, that, angry tweet that you made, that, that thing that you looked at on the internet, the gossip, that you, all of that is sustained by the God that you're rebelling against. I mean, how crazy is that? that? That the ability for you to disobey is given to you by the God whom you are disobeying. He sustains us. He is life. That's level one. No, level two is this idea of Redemption. And John's going to lay out in his gospel this redemption that, that Jesus was the culmination of. That in Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve had sinned, God said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to bring salvation. You know, Eve, your offspring, your seed is going to crush the seed of the serpent. That was the, that was the promised gospel, the first expression of the gospel, this good news that God was going to bring redemption. He was going to undo and fix what had been done through the fall. And part of that is giving what new life, eternal life. Redemption life is only found in Jesus. It's not found in other stuff. You know, I, I, I want to love and accept and receive everyone. But, but the reality is there, there are points at which if you follow Jesus, you're going to bump up against some other things that claim to be true that are not true. There's this... There's this uh, illustration that people sometimes say when they talk about how, you know, all, all roads lead to God. And they'll say, you know, there were, there were several wise men and, and uh, they were all 
touching this thing, and, and one guy, it, it was an elephant, and, and one guy was touching the, the trunk of an elephant, and he said, oh, this is a, this is a tree, and a, another guy was tr- touching the, the trunk of the, the elephant and said, well, it, it's a snake, and, and another guy's touching the, the, the side of the elephant and saying, well, it's a wall, and, and the reality is they were all touching the same thing. But, but what we fail to see when someone uses that analogy is there is one ultimate perspective. These, these guys all had different perspectives that kind of supposedly culminated in this one ultimate perspective. But the reality is there was one third perspective. Do you understand? Someone knew that this was an elephant. And, and these guys were wrong. It wasn't a tree. It wasn't a wall. And it wasn't a snake. There is an absolute truth, and that absolute truth is that Jesus is God. Jesus is life. Jesus is the way. There aren't other ways. Like it or not, there are not other ways. If you want life, if you want redemption life, you need Jesus. Jesus is the way. And because of that, he, he lights the way. It just says in verse 4, the second part, the life was the light of men. In, in chapter 14, it says, Jesus says this. Uh, that is not correct. It's in chapter 14. He says, I am the way, the truth. There it is, in verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, he, he is the way. He shows us the way. He lights the way. Do you want to know what the way to enlightenment is? It's not meditation. It's not going and trying to discover reality in your own soul. It's not reading books apart from the Bible. It's knowing and loving and following and receiving Jesus Christ. He's the light of life. There's only one path. And it's a, it's a narrow path, Jesus says. <laughs> Jesus is the path and Jesus is the, the goal. Jesus is the starting point. He's, he's all of it. Do you want to know how to get to God? You go to Jesus. Do you want to know God? You go to Jesus. Do you, know what want, do you want to know how to live a fulfilled life? You go to Jesus. Do you want to know what, how, to, how to live a a life that, that results in uh, eternal life, go to Jesus. Reason number four, because we need to know the way. And number five, we need, uh, because Jesus shows what it means to be truly human. It says in verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You know, what's, what's radical about, about Christianity is that God condescends to become man. We don't have this thing where a man becomes a God. We don't have this thing where God, he, he shows his awesomeness, but he stays from a, a, far away. He's not transcendent in the sense that he is unable to enter into our reality. He's not distant in the sense that he doesn't know what it is to be tempted. He doesn't know what it is to uh, experience pain and suffering. Jesus is the, the most authentic expression of humanity. Because he lives perfectly 
within the purpose for which he was created, which was to worship and bring honor to the Father. We all fail in that area, and because of that, we all, our humanity, our identity, who we are, is, is mangled. You know, the, uh, my, my boys are reading, um, <laughs> they're reading uh, Lord of the Rings, and whether you know Lord of the Rings or you've read it, you've probably heard of Smeagol, or Gollum, as some people call him. And he's this picture of what happens when we pursue our own desires, apart from redemption. I don't know if J.R.R. Tolkien, the author, would say it exactly like that. But, but we see in this character that he is, he's inward, he's kind of yucky, he, he's malformed. His pursuit and his uh, commitment to these, these, this desire for this ring has, has malformed him, such that he's, he's kind of hard to look at. And he's, he's gross. And, and we look at that and say, well, that's gross. But that is the picture of who we are apart from God. That's, that's a picture. This is why when, when God says, don't judge by the outward appearance, that, that's what he means. Because in our hearts, we are all Smeagol. You know, you may, be, you know, you may have gotten a fresh cut. You, you look handsome or you, you look beautiful, whatever, guy, girl, and, and you may be well-dressed and, and clean, and people may look at you and say, oh, you need to be on, on, on my board. You need to be, you know, on my team. You need to be, uh, let, me, let me hire you. You know, I'll buy what you're selling. But all of us, apart from God, are Smeagol on the inside. And when we, if you want to know what it looks like to kind of, in your soul, do this, to be able to stand up straight, be able to experience what, what the reality of, of who we are is, to be, be able to know our purpose, you want to go to Jesus. Jesus came to, to be us. He came to be human. This, this, is, this is the hope, right? Some of you, are, you're in really tough situations. You're going through physical pain. Some of you, you're going through emotional pain. You've, you're experiencing rejection, right? Family times uh, take anxiety and fear and pain and, you know, 12 to 14 years of, of awkwardness and just kind of mix it up in a bowl and then just drink that down. That's what family time can be. And, and we don't have a God who, who's kind of up in the clouds saying, well, you just need to suck it up. I don't know. No, Jesus understood, right? His... His brothers and his, his mom, they thought he was crazy at times. They thought he, his whole purpose, you know, I, you know I'm going to be the savior of the world. They're, okay, just be quiet. They were even opportunistic, right? His, his brothers were saying, you need to go now. Go, go to town, show, you know, do some lasers and guns and you know, your crazy water and wine thing, and let, let's make this happen. You know, his buddies, his friends, they were employing their mom to say, you know, mom, make sure that we get a good spot when Jesus becomes president. You know, I want to be on the cabinet. I want to be secretary of defense. I want to be state secretary. The mom comes, hey, you know, can you make sure that there's a place on the right? I mean, how, have you ever been manipulated by people you thought were your friends and family? Right, that, Jesus has been there. You need Jesus in this season because he, he will be close to you he will know what it is to be in your position. He will be able to comfort you. He's experienced the things that you have experienced. 
but he will show you the way forward in a way that will honor God. We need Jesus because he shows us what it means to be truly human. We also need him because he shows us what is really glorious. It says in verse 14, And the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. Glory is one of those words that's it's hard to catch, I feel like. You know, what is glory? Well, it's, it's shining, it's bright, it's awesome. Your glory is going to the, the, the base of the Sears Tower. Or I, I'm not sure what it's called now. It's called something else, but it's tall. And it's looking up and your hands beginning to sweat because of how tall it is. Maybe that's not you, that's me. I mean, just like, whoa, and then, and then being foolish enough to go up to one of the top levels and they have these, yeah, they have these windows that extend out. Because why? <laughs> and so you have the opportunity to, to step out onto glass and just look straight down. This is what it would look like to plummet to my death. Okay. I have confirmed that I am afraid of heights, right? <laughs> I remember being at the Sears Tower and... and I mean, I'm not proud of this, but I literally was like, I mean, on paper, I'm like, this is not, it's here. It's not going to fall. And I was in my 20s, and so I was like 40 pounds lighter, and, and even, I was not going to do anything, but everything in my heart was like, no, don't trust it, don't trust it, don't trust it. That is not glass, that is air, you were going to die. But there was something awesome about being in the presence of a circumstance that could just end me in a moment. You know, there's something about, again, looking at, at the mountains, the Appalachian Mountains, Blue Ridge Mountains, and, and just being in awe of what's going on. Or being at the beach and, and, and hearing the wind and the waves. And, and uh, I don't know if you've ever been boogie boarding or surfing or anything, and a wave takes you and you're like, well, I'm just in. You know, if you're in the water and in the, the, the waves, there's, there's not a whole lot you can do. You just kind of have to just lay limp and hope you, you come out on the other side. These are all just inklings of what glory looks like. It's this sense that there are things in the world, outside the world, that are way more powerful than you. Way more devastating than than here and now. And, And Jesus is the ultimate expression of that. I mean, imagine in this little baby, you have... The creator of all things. I mean, the, the whole Mary Did You Know song, it's a bit cliche, but, but there are some true, like, you, you got to imagine that she was facing some real challenging realities of looking at this baby and, and maybe cleaning his diaper and, and feeding him, nursing him, and understanding that somehow this child was holding everything together. And, and if for some reason this child decided to forget creation, we would all cease to be. He is glorious. And beyond that, he, he's this culmination of this re- redemptive plan that God had that starts in, in creation and ends in, in revelation where, where God is he's going to defeat sin. He's going to bring new life. He's going to bring justice and mercy 
Right? He's not just a just God who punishes sin, but he is a merciful God who forgives sin. Well, how can you do that, God? How can you be just and punish sin and punish evildoers, but at the same time, give mercy to evildoers? Well, I have my son, Jesus Christ, stand in my place for my sins, or I have God's son stand in my place for my sins, die an excruciating, painful, shameful, terrible death, and at the same time, rise again, defeating Satan, sin, and death. God shows his glory most clearly in Jesus Christ. So much so that the writer of, of 2 Corinthians says that, that God's glory is shown in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and our problem is not that we don't understand the gospel. Our problem is that we don't see Jesus as glorious. We don't see him for who he, we're, we're spiritually blind to that. And, and there's nothing like buying and selling and stress to, to put the blinders back on. You need to go to Jesus because he is glorious. And those glorious realities of God's awesomeness, his power, his strength, his love, his forgiveness, his justice, his mercy, all of those things will, will create ballast and, and stability when you have to deal with dif difficult circumstances. When you are faced with temptation to get angry or temptation to gossip about your coworker or temptation to give up, you can look and say, Jesus, you are powerful, you are strong, you are mighty, you are, you are glorious, and you are for me. We need Jesus because he is glorious. Finally, we need Jesus because he is the source of grace and truth. It says in verse 14, and the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We need truth. What is this world really about? What is, what is my ultimate purpose? What should I do with my life? How should I treat others? How should I live in this circumstance? These are all truths that we need. We need these truths. And they come from Jesus. But not, not only that, we need grace. We need grace. We need God's forgiveness, but we don't deserve it. We need God's power, but we don't deserve it. We need God's life, but we don't deserve it. We need God's grace, his unmerited, unearned, really undeserved favor. We need Jesus. This Christmas season, you need Jesus. You need the word of God. You need the word of God who is with God who is God, who reveals God, who is the source of life. You need, you need Jesus who, who gives you the path forward. How do I navigate this difficult circumstance with my family member? How do I, I navigate this difficult circumstance at my, at my job? How do, I, how do I do these things? You need the way. You need Jesus when you're taking the finals. The finals, your finals, just all the finals. You need him. You need Jesus while you're finishing up the quarter. You need Jesus when you're fighting with your spouse. You're ne you need Jesus when you're navigating awkwardness with relatives. You, you need Jesus when you're feeling the weight of your bad decisions. You need Jesus when you're feeling left out. You need Jesus when you've sinned yet again. You need 
Jesus. I need Jesus. And this, this Advent season, may I encourage you not just to celebrate, not just to kind of let God be out there and these things out there, but you, would you receive him? Would you welcome him into your heart? Would you invite him in? What does that look like? Would you, would you come to him in the word and say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to listen. I'm going to read John. I'm going to read Matthew, Mark, Luke. I'm going to read Isaiah chapter 9, right? Wonderful counselor. You know, that's, that's that text. I'm going to read your word, and I'm going to listen to what it says. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to ask you, Jesus, to meet me. And I promise you, if you will invite him in, if you will listen to him, you will experience God. You will experience life, too. You will experience a clear way forward. You will experience real, authentic humanity. You will experience glory. You will experience grace and truth. All of these things you will experience if you receive Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you love us. Thank you that you care about us and that you've shown us yourself through Jesus Christ. God, I pray that we would receive him afresh. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today's the day. The Bible says that if we will turn away from everything we know to be sin and, and turn to Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, that God is faithful to forgive us of our sins and give us eternal life. If you want life and you, you need to be freed from the penalty of your sin, you need Jesus. And for the rest of us who've already trusted in Jesus, maybe long ago, maybe recently, let me encourage you to receive him freshly today, to, to come to Jesus and say, God, I recognize that I am a forgetful person and sometimes I forget about you. But I need you. Would you meet me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you, family. Merry Christmas.